Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Monday afternoon, everyone. Kip Harris here with the Daily Bureau Investing Podcast. Hope you had a great day. Hope you had a great weekend as well. Another good start to our market here. Well, let's talk about that first. Dow Jones today finishing up 183 points. Folks, that's 11 straight days of gains for the Dow Jones, the longest since uh, 2017. SP 100 up 18 points at 4 tenths of 1%. Rose 2000 at 3 tenths of 1%. NASDAQ up 2 tenths of 1%. Uh, again, gains across the board. This is what we've been focusing on really for the last, I'd say, four or five days with you is that, yes, we have hit extreme we bought on our VRA investing system. Uh, however, we continue to see this ro- very, very healthy rotation taking place. One group gets extreme overbought. It's redlining. Uh, in this case, you know, if you look at the chart going back a couple, three weeks of the semiconductors and of, of uh, mega cap tech stocks, that's what you would have seen. And that typically spells trouble, as we tend to say, this is when bad things tend to happen. But in really strong markets, uh, particularly at the birth of a new bull market where we are now, instead of having big sell-offs, which is what we had uh, going back to 2018, you look at the charts, It's so it was so predictable, pretty much every time we get to extreme we're bought, here would come the selling pressure. And this became a thing. Traders were trading this. And so it became very dangerous to hold large positions when you got to extreme or bottle steroids. And, uh, you know, then you typically get a big sell off and then it go back to extreme oversold. And we did this time after time after time. And so, again, that's a repeating pattern of, of note, which is why we've been so focused on it, because, you know, again, if that's going to happen again, who wants to be, you know, incredibly long? And, uh, and and have to uh, pay the price for it, but that's not happening now. But this is it has not been happening. Instead of seeing a big sell off when we get extreme rebought, instead we have rotation into other groups that are undervalued technically. And so this is a, again classic bull market, young bull market action. Absolutely classic. We'll talk about that a little bit today. It's a structural bull market, and that's significant because we're not talking about a market that's going up on air or on hopes, or on rumors, right? Or just because of liquidity, and there's plenty of that out there. But it's going because there are structural reasons for this move higher, and there are lots of them. And the bulls are just, the bears are now finally starting to capitulate. It started uh, uh, you know, a month or two ago. It is picking up speed. But it's a long way to go from, okay, they've capitulated, and they've covered their shorts, to now they have to get long. That's the power of capitulation because not only do these folks cover the short positions but you get double the buy because now they have to cover the short realize they made a mistake and go long so it's two times the buying pressure mike wilson and morgan stanley of course has been uh we talk about a, a tale of two cities mike wilson could do no wrong uh in the in the 2022 uh, bear market he could do absolutely no wrong he was exactly right to be bearish uh, he got the calls right. He was good on timing as well, and and he just refused to you know uh, to uh, to take a, a fresh look. He he kept saying over and over again, even as late as last week, saying we're going to hit new lows. Do not buy into this bull. It's not a bull market. It's still a bear market rally. Today he finally came out and said, okay, uh, we're raising our numbers. <laughs> we still think we're going to be right in the long run. Uh, his point now is that earnings are going to disappoint. 
if he's been paying attention to earnings so far for Q2, uh, second quarter, he, he, he's not seeing that. No one, because it's not happening. Uh, again, the analyst estimates were for losses of 7% uh, on earnings per share year over year uh, for the second quarter. And uh, we're not, we're probably not going to have earnings growth for the second quarter, although we've got a long ways to go, but we're going to be nowhere near 7% losses. So the news is better from an earnings point of view. Of course, this is also a very big week for the Federal Reserve. And by the way, we have a lot. This is a big week for earnings. You got Meta this week, Microsoft, Intel, Visa, McDonald's, ExxonMobil, Alphabet, of course, Google. Uh, I'm looking at about 30 big names to reporting as second quarter earnings really picks up speed. So there'll be a lot of eyes on it. But more than earnings, I think, even, uh, is really the Federal Reserve. The Fed on Wednesday, their Fed meeting starts tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, of course, it's at 2 o'clock Eastern. Uh, they'll come out and announce their decision 30 minutes later uh, after the statement comes out. We'll get uh, Jay Powell's uh, presser, which is what we, we always, you know, no one looks forward to this, okay? Because he's the worst Fed chair in history from two points of view. Number one, he's made, this is, he's now making, he's now making their fifth major policy mistake since he's been Fed chair. This one is hiking rates. They're, they really have no business hiking rates again, and they will by a quarter of a point on Wednesday. Um, they'll take them to five and a half percent. They've now hiked rates 550 basis points, five and a half percent in 16 months. Unprecedented. And the problem now, and the Fed obviously knows this, is the issue of lag effects. This is something we've talked about here quite a bit. And um, look, the economy is so much stronger, even stronger than, than, than I thought it was. Um, but it's not that strong. These lag effects aren't going to kick in. So this is what we think is going to happen in the second half of this year and why we think we'll still have rate cuts next year, uh, you know, probably first, second quarter of next year, because the lag effects will kick in uh, as strong as this economy is, as much liquidity is out there. And uh, the Fed's going to have to undo what, what they've been doing with these rate hikes, because inflation is a is a is a is a, is a story about this is in, in the rearview mirror. Now, we now have disinflation, as you know, we think we're, we're going to have deflation is going to be our future. And these are the things the markets are all building in right now. So. Again, we're in a we're in a strong uptrend. Uh, the only reason you'd want to sell now is if you're a short-term trader. Frankly, uh, August is not a great month for the markets. Uh, following August, matter of fact, August is the worst year of the markets. I think since 1951, the worst worst month for the year. And the other thing that's coming up here uh, uh, is September October timeframe. Uh, October's crash month. There's always a lot of trepidation. Uh, you typically get a bump in volatility heading into October, and uh, you, get, you do have a lot of it. It is the month of volatility, September, October. But also in September, student loan payments uh, will start, will, will resume. It's going to eat into the, you know, uh, there's been a lot of free money around out there. People didn't have to make payments on student loans for a long time. That resumes in September. So that's going to remove some liquidity from the markets. And uh, combined with what October represents, you know, that I think if you're if you're selling here, it's because you have extraordinary gains. There's you never go broke taking profits. You know, take some off the table, come back in. Should we get a five, seven, ten percent pullback, which is entirely possible? I'm not not predicting it. I don't expect it, 
but it wouldn't surprise me. And I think that's the only reason to raise some uh, to you know, to raise some cash here. Really, more than anything, what we're going to be doing is just keeping a close eye on the technicals and and on the um, uh, the internals and uh, watching the sectors, seeing what the analysis looks like there, because it gives you a pretty good heads up. And you know, you know what we track here. <laughs> it's no secret we track the semiconductors, and uh, the semiconductors again got extreme overbought, and uh, they've now sold off. If you look at the chart of SMH. Uh, the semiconductor ETF. I'll pull it up right now, and I'll walk you through it real quick because it's so important. You know, SMH peaked uh, in uh, in mid July, so a couple weeks ago, just just like the thirteenth, and it was at extreme overbought when it did so, and and now all of those overbought conditions are gone. So the semiconductors are the classic example of this rotational theme that's taking place here in this bull market. Instead of the semiconductors taking the rest of the market down with it as they fall in price, and the semis have dropped. SMH has fallen from 161 uh, to a close today of 153. So it's not a huge drop, but as the market, again, Dow Jones up seven, 11 straight days, the markets keep marching uh, onward. Semiconductors have not done that. In a, in, a, in a more like a 2022 market, or even before that, when the semiconductors fall, the rest of the market's going to go with it. It has been at least. That's not happening now. Tech has also been, uh, by and large, tech, the broader uh, definition of tech, tech has been uh, lagging as well. That's the rotation we're talking about. And it's hard to find much. This It's, it's hard to find a whole lot that's more bullish than when you can see semiconductors and tech stocks take a breather and the rest of the market keeps going higher. As extraordinarily bullish. Matter of fact, I'll tell you, you can't find a bear that would argue with what I just said. It's that's just the way it is. So, uh, if we can escape Wednesday's Fed meeting without Jay Powell uh, uh, trying to shock the markets too much, which he loves to do, uh, then this pause should work its way through the system, and then it's all in and upward. Because, as we've covered here with you a fair amount, we're still a long way from all-time highs. You know, that's the one thing about new bull markets. You, they're going to take you to new all-time highs. And this one obviously hasn't done that. As we have 100 Dow Jones are 5% away from all-time highs. NASDAQ is still, even after this monster move higher, NASDAQ is still 15.5% from all-time high. Uh, NASDAQ 100, 9% from all-time high. Rust 2000, 22% from all-time. 22% of the small caps from all-time high. Even the semis are still 10%. From all-time highs so we've got to get just back to all-time highs before this real new bull market can really kick in and i think that's going to be when we hit new highs new all-time highs that's going to be your next wave of buying that comes in because remember and again it's another major theme of ours the structural bull market is liquidity insane amounts of liquidity out there 22.8 is our last report $22.8 trillion sits in commercial bank deposits uh, along with mutual fund money markets. That does not include the $5.8 trillion sitting in bank money market funds. You're looking at what? $29 trillion, record amounts of liquidity sitting in essentially cash. Now it's not cash, 35%. Congratulations, right? It's fantastic. That might be sticky. That money may stay there because that's a great return. We think rates are, gonna, are going to follow inflation and that rates are going to plummet. 
not just drop, but plummet. We look at this as really uh, a different kind of a great reset. Instead of the Klaus Schwab reset, this is a stock market reset. It's a bond market reset. I mean, if the Fed and the powers that be can pull this off, this will be a masterful stroke. I'll tell you the truth, uh, a masterful reset. Uh, we can go years now with rates you know, dropping from today 3.8%, maybe a year from now 2.8%, maybe a year or two from there 1.8%. Remember, we got down to, what, below a half percent on the 10-year uh, at the uh, the depths of uh, 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 coronavirus insanity. So this reset is going to uh, uh, be there for, to add a lot of fuel to the fire with all this liquidity. People are still scared to death. They are. Can't fault them for that. And again, they're getting 5% in money market funds. So it's really, you know, we got a great, we have. We, it's a great setup for a structural move higher. And there are other elements of this that we've been spending a lot of time on, but I don't think they've been focused on enough. Just going to mention some of these mega trends we've been focused on. I was on Wayne Root's uh, TV show, Real America's Voice, on Saturday. I talked about this. Financial engineering is driving this market higher. Ungodly amounts of liquidity. And then our mega trends of uh, financial engineering, the innovation revolution slash AI, uh, lower interest rates, deflation. And, uh, of course, the housing boom, the millennial boom, you know, uh, these are things we've been pounding the table on. And so far, so good. We think we're only just beginning because very few people are talking about this outside of AI and innovation. Very few, if anybody, is talking about the things that I just said here. Very few people are saying rates are going to plummet and that we're going to have deflation. That's one of our major themes. Very few people are talking about the millennial generation. Now, the largest generation on the planet, uh, largest segment of the population, and they're in the process of inheriting over $70 trillion. And the thing I love about millennials, I happen to know a couple of them. <laughs> Sydney, I happen to, be, to have raised a couple, and we knew all their friends, uh, all of my friends, their friends. Millennials are the most short-changed generation that I've ever seen. Uh, that's changing, by the way. They are hardworking. They're incredibly intelligent. They can find an answer to anything in about two seconds because they're born into te- they're born in the matrix. They're born into technology. And uh, uh, by the way, a great sense of humor as well, which is one of my favorite attributes of theirs. And then the things that people don't talk about is they they're loaded with cash. They hate debt. They deleveraged. They saw what their parents went through in the financial crisis. The last thing they want is to be upside down on a mortgage or to not have money in the bank and to have a ton of credit card debt, they are cash rich. And with, I think the average, we research for the big bribe and their average uh, 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 cash balance is over $100,000. You can't say that about any other generation. I don't even know you can say that about my generation, uh, the baby boomers, because there's so many people that are living month to month. That is not the case with millennials. And then, the other uh, attributes that are just amazing is that uh, they're, they're entrepreneurs. Now, they may have jobs, but guess what? they got side hustles, and they know how those work. And that because they're entrepreneurs, guess what else they love? Stocks. They love investing in the stock market. They love cryptocurrencies, and they really, really, really love housing. Okay? And so people that are wondering, how is it the housing market keeps going up? Well, folks, look no further than the millennial generation. 
for our new folks, I'll just remind you. This is, we have been literally pounding the table on housing from last October. Real estate, housing actually bottomed before the market bottomed. And the themes, again, no one's talking about this, which is, I love that as a contrarian, but, you know, it, it kind of drives me a little crazy because of these points. The homeowner, again, a lot of millennials here, they're buying, the, they're, they're the bid. Millennials are the bid in the housing market. And the average homeowner today has never been in better financial shape. If you've never heard this anywhere else, here are the facts. The credit score of homeowners have never been higher. Home net equity in your home has never been higher. It was 56% last year. I haven't seen an updated number. My guess is it's over 60% now. Again, that's an all-time high. And we have all-time lows in defaults on mortgages. So if you own a home and let's say you happen to have refinanced and maybe your, your mortgage is at 3%, why would you want to sell your home and move? You wouldn't. Because now you're replacing it with a 7% mortgage if you're going to get a mortgage. So people aren't moving. That means supply is, again, extremely limited. And demand continues to bubble up. And we think, again, this is going to be, this is going to be a melt-up house. It's going to be a melt-up housing market, folks. If you own a home, uh, and again, I know location, location, location is everything. But if you own a home, don't sell it. If anything, rent it. Use the equity to buy another one, and then Airbnb to rent it, <laughs> because that that home is going to keep appreciating in price for years to come. This is going to be the biggest housing bull market that we've ever seen, and that includes what we saw in the uh, in in the the run up to the to the uh, uh, financial crisis. Uh, that's another conversation for another time. But I think we have the facts on our side. This is a decade long housing boom that's just in its infancy along with the equity market so many reasons to be bullish and as i've said many times as i said on wayne show on saturday one of my personal favorites and one of our mega trends in the big ride is the red pilling of america it's one of my favorite topics to talk about again because nobody else is talking about it i see it clear as day this country is being woken up right we are fully aware of the insanity of the left, which is frankly really the deep state. Again, that's a great topic. I, I, I've talked about this so much over the last year. Uh, I won't spend time on it today. But there is, there is no Democrat Party. It's the state. Democrats are insane, <laughs> except for like the Joe Manchin of the world. There are a lot of there are a lot of Democrats out there that have refused to go crazy. Okay, so I'm not trying to bandwagon all of them. I apologize if I did that. Um, but if you're, uh, even a moderate or if you're a lifelong, uh, independent like me, or if you're a conservative, you know, we've been fully woken up to the insanity that we're seeing on the other side. We know what we don't want and we know what we don't want our kids to be around. And, uh, we, we know the risk, uh, that, uh, that come with, uh, allowing, you know, kids to hang around certain kinds of people. I, again, I don't want to get into it's a, it's, a, it's a horrible, if you've seen the movie, Sound of Freedom, you know what I'm talking about. We don't want that. That's not what America is. It's not what the world is. And we're waking up to all this. That's the, that's the flip side to the negativity we've been forced to live through. And this red pilling of America 
is is phenomenally bullish because it's great news for America. And anything that's great news for America is great news for the stock market and it's great news for the economy. That's how I extrapolate that out. And just as a, rem a reminder, do you remember what the stock market did the year after Trump got elected? Let's assume either Trump wins or DeSantis wins. Or I don't, even even Joe Manchin, right? A, a, a kind of a down the middle senator from West Virginia. Yes, he votes with Democrats far too often, but he is a Democrat. Even Joe Manchin, uh, if he were to win, would bring a modicum of common sense back to America. I could live with that, you know, as opposed to what we're seeing now. But just getting back to some sense of normalcy, normality, Trump, after he got elected, again, whether it's Trump, DeSantis, or Joe uh, Manchin, whoever, anybody but Biden or uh, uh, the uh, Gavin Newsom of California. But after Trump won, the stock market went up 40% in just over a year. That's what the red pilling of America can do in a short period of time. And we know what Trump did for the economy. I would imagine that you'd see the same from a DeSantis and probably the same from a uh, Joe Manchin. Again, he is not an economic liberal. Okay, so point being, all of these megatrends are in place. This is why the market is going up. The market's a discounting mechanism. We think it's just underway. And as I wrote this morning uh, to our folks, if you think my extreme optimism is unwarranted, give us some time. I think you'll come around. Uh, we think the Dow is going to 100,000. That's our target by 2030-ish. And so we are bullish now for uh, the next uh, six and a half years at minimum. Um, and, of course, you know, in this world, things change quickly. If they do, we will let you know. But that these are these are our long-term targets, and uh, we're sticking by them. So far, so good. Uh, let's take a look under the hood today. Sure you miss anything. Okay, let's, let's take a look under the hood. The internals today were not great, not horrible, and they were positive. But, you know, with the Dow up 184, you'd like to see better readings to this. But base decline was positive, basically one and a half to one on NYSE. Volume was two and a half to one positive. That's very good for NYSE. NASDAQ was slightly negative on advanced decline, only by a couple hundred issues. Again, NASDAQ only up 26 a day. NASDAQ volume also negative today, but only by about... $400 million worth of trading. That's really inconsequential. Our 52 highest lows came in at 196 to 107. So again, this is a bullish uh, day for the internals, uh, just not kind, the kind of reading we've been more accustomed to of late. And our sector watch, nine of, this is very good here. Nine of 11 sectors finished high on the day, uh, led by energy. Uh, Tyler and I just talked about this. XLE, the energy ETF, which by the way, if you're with us, you know we've been pounding the table on this. Uh, we are very, very, very bullish on energy here, and we think we've got a big move higher uh, coming in the oil and nat gas, certainly in energy stocks, which, of course, have the leverage. Uh, uh, XLE breaking out on the charts of, of, a, of a descending trend line that's been in place for some time. That's a, this could be a breakout day today that we're witnessing right now. Uh, energy stocks up 1.6% today. Financials up 1%. Real estate up 1%. Uh, a lot of stuff up about half percent of the downside, really nothing uh, to speak of at all. Again, two sectors, only slightly lower, healthcare and utilities. Um, also, want to make a note here, we're also very bullish on Chinese internet stocks, uh, Chinese tech, if you will. Um, and that's something that was up, uh, they were up 5% today. I think that continues. Uh, again, this is a rotational market. 
is now beginning to take value stocks with it, industrials with it, and we think Chinese tech is cheap here as well. As I kind of threw in a freebie there for you. In our um, commodity watch today, quick refresh. There we go. Uh, gold today down ten dollars an ounce in nineteen fifty six. We love precious metals here as well. Silver down thirty four cents an ounce at twenty four fifty one. Copper flat on the day at uh, three eighty five a pound. Crude oil again up big today, up a dollar eighty seven a barrel. Seventy eight ninety four a barrel is two point four percent. Uh, net gas is flat on the day, and finally Bitcoin uh, twenty nine thousand one thirty two down one thousand and eleven dollars. All right, folks. Hope you had a great day. Leave better night. Always appreciate you listen. We'll see you back here again tomorrow after the close.